of the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the word. Soapy Dollar. Good to have you with us tonight. Thanks for joining with us on the Bible Live broadcast. I've just rolled in from our midweek church gathering. It is great to have a church family, just a group of sincere believers who love each other, who share life together, encourage one another, pray for each other, take care of one another. We've had two funerals in the last three weeks. How have the different families come together to love on the family that experiences the loss? It's just an amazing thing to see, and I hope you have such a congregation. I hope you have a spiritual family. If you're not part of a congregation of people where you have genuine friendships in the Lord and where people really do pray for each other and love each other and help each other, I covet that for you. Besides that, the little ladies in our church, they cook so well that our Wednesday night gathering is always really nice on the palate as well. Right now, we're going to go to our wisdom and worship segment in the Psalms, Psalm 71. Later on, we'll be continuing through First and Second Kings. Tonight, we move from the book of First Kings into Second Kings right after this. The Bible Life, Psalm 71, 1 through 16. O Lord, you are my refuge. Never let me be disgraced. Rescue me. Save me from my enemies, for you are just. Turn your ear to listen and set me free. Be to me a protecting rock of safety, where I am always welcome. Give the order to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. My God, rescue me from the power of the wicked, from the clutches of cruel oppressors. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted in you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. And now, in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing, for my enemies are whispering against me. They are plotting together to kill me. 
They say, God has abandoned him. Let's go and get him, for there is no one to help him now. Oh, God, don't stay away. My God, please hurry to help me. Bring disgrace and destruction on those who accuse me. May humiliation and shame cover those who want to harm me. But I will keep on hoping for you to help me. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long I will proclaim your saving power, for I am overwhelmed by how much you have done for me. I will praise your mighty deeds, O Sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just and good. End of reading, Psalm 71, 1 through 16. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Do not let that prayer go unspoken. Whatever it is that God brings to your heart, when he brings a a face to your mind or an old friend or an acquaintance from work or at church or at school, when he brings that person to your mind, make the first thought a thought of prayer. Lord, bless that person. Be with that person. Help that person. Don't let that prayer go unspoken. You may be driving down the freeway and just see a particular car coming towards you and say, Lord, bless the driver in that car. Draw him to yourself, Lord. Reveal yourself to that person. This is his will. That's what he is doing. And we can add our prayers to what God is doing. Add our assent. Don't let that prayer go unspoken. Now, we've just read about a great man of prayer. Elijah is held up as a great man of prayer in the book of James. He prayed and the rain fell. He prayed seven times, of course, before it did. So that's why I'm saying, don't let that prayer go unspoken. He just had the spiritual shootout with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. God came through and Elijah has fled from the threats of Jezebel. Then we have gotten a look at how wicked Ahab and Jezebel were and the tremendously harmful, destructive effect of their rule, their reign over Israel. And it ended up affecting even Judah in the south. Jehoshaphat was a good, God-fearing king, but he tries so hard to be liked by Ahab and Jezebel that he gives his own son in marriage to their daughter, Athaliah. And this begins a tremendous time of destruction in both Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So we're going to read now from 1 Kings chapter 22, and we'll go right on into the book of 2 Kings in the second part of the reading on the Bible Life. 1 Kings 22.1 through 2 Kings 2.25. 1 Kings 22. For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. During the visit, Ahab said to his officials, Do you realize that the Arameans are still occupying our city of Ramoth-Gilead, and we haven't done a thing about it? Then he turned to Jehoshaphat and asked, Will you join me in fighting against Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat replied to King Ahab, Why, of course, you and I are brothers, and my troops are yours to command. Even my horses are at your service. Then Jehoshaphat added, But first, let's find out what the Lord says. So King Ahab summoned his prophets, 
about four hundred of them, and asked them, Should I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or not? They all replied, Go right ahead. The Lord will give you a glorious victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, Isn't there a prophet of the Lord around too? I would like to ask him the same question. King Ahab replied, There is still one prophet of the Lord, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but bad news for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imlah. You shouldn't talk like that, Jehoshaphat said. Let's hear what he has to say. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Quick, go and get Micaiah, son of Imlah. King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robes, were sitting on thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. One of them, Zedekiah, son of Canaanah, made some iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord says, With these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give you victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him, Look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micaiah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or not? And Micaiah replied, Go right ahead. The Lord will give the king a glorious victory. But the king replied sharply, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth when you speak for the Lord? So Micaiah told him, In a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, He does it every time. He never prophesies anything but bad news for me. Then Micaiah continued, Listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him, on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth-Gilead, so that he can be killed there? There were many suggestions, until finally a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? the Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of your prophets, for the Lord has determined disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, son of Canaanah, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. When did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you, he demanded. And Micaiah replied, You will find out soon enough when you find yourself hiding in some secret room. King Ahab of Israel then ordered, Arrest Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the battle. But Micaiah replied, If you return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added to those standing around, Take note of what I have said. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. So the king of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth-Gilead. Now King Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, As we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you wear your royal robes. So Ahab disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Aram had issued these orders to his thirty-two charioteers, Attack only the king of Israel. 
So when the Aramean charioteers saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted. But when Jehoshaphat cried out, the charioteers realized he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped chasing him. An Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops, and the arrow hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of his chariot. I have been badly wounded. The battle raged all that day, and Ahab was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood from his wound ran down to the floor of his chariot, and as evening arrived, he died. Just as the sun was setting, the cry ran through his troops, It's all over! Return home! So the king died, and his body was taken to Samaria and buried there. Then his chariot was washed beside the pool of Samaria, where the prostitutes bathed, and dogs came and licked the king's blood, just as the Lord had promised. The rest of the events in Ahab's reign and the story of the ivory palace and the cities he built are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Ahab died, he was buried among his ancestors. Then his son Ahaziah became the next king. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, began to rule over Judah in the fourth year of King Ahab's reign in Israel. He was thirty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem twenty-five years. His mother was Azubah, the daughter of Shili. Jehoshaphat was a good king, following the example of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. The rest of the events in Jehoshaphat's reign, the extent of his power and the wars he waged, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. He banished from the land the rest of the shrine prostitutes, who still continued their practices from the days of his father Asa. There was no king in Edom at that time, only a deputy. Jehoshaphat also built a fleet of trading ships to sail to Ophir for gold. But the ships never set sail, for they were wrecked at Ezion-Geber. At that time Ahaziah, son of Ahab, proposed to Jehoshaphat, Let my men sail an expedition with your men. But Jehoshaphat refused the offer. When Jehoshaphat died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Jehoram became the next king. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, began to rule over Israel in the seventeenth year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the example of his father and mother, and the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had led Israel into the sin of idolatry. He served Baal and worshipped him, arousing the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. This is the Bible, lie, with Soapy Dollar. The Book of Second Kings Second Kings 1 After King Ahab's death, the nation of Moab declared its independence from Israel. One day Israel's new king, Ahaziah, fell through the latticework of an upper room at his palace in Samaria, and he was seriously injured. So he sent messengers to the temple of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether he would recover. But the angel of the Lord told Elijah, who was from Tishbe, Go and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Why are you going to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether the king will get well? Is there no God in Israel? Now, therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will never leave the bed on which you are lying, but you will surely die. So Elijah went to deliver the message. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you returned so soon? They replied, A man came up to us and said, 
Go back to the king and give him this message from the Lord. Why are you sending men to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will get well? Is there no god in Israel? Now since you have done this, you will never leave the bed on which you are lying, but you will surely die. Who was this man? the king demanded. What did he look like? They replied, He was a hairy man, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. It was Elijah from Tishbe, the king exclaimed. Then he sent an army captain with fifty soldiers to arrest him. They found him sitting on top of a hill. The captain said to him, Man of God, the king has commanded you to come along with us. But Elijah replied to the captain, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your fifty men. Then fire fell from heaven and killed them all. So the king sent another captain with fifty men. The captain said to him, Man of God, the king says that you must come down right away. Elijah replied, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your fifty men. And again the fire of God fell from heaven and killed them all. Once more the king sent a captain with fifty men. But this time the captain fell to his knees before Elijah. He pleaded with him, O oh, man of God, please spare my life and the lives of these, your fifty servants. See how the fire from heaven has destroyed the first two groups. But now, please, spare my life. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Don't be afraid, go with him. So Elijah got up and went to the king. And Elijah said to the king, This is what the Lord says. Why did you send messengers to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will get well? Is there no god in Israel? Now since you have done this, you will never leave the bed on which you are lying, but you will surely die. So Ahaziah died just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Since Ahaziah did not have a son to succeed him, his brother Joram became the next king. This took place in the second year of the reign of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The rest of the events in Ahaziah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Kings 2 When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Quiet, Elisha answered. Of course I know it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Quiet, he answered again. Of course I know it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, What can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, Please, let me become your rightful successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken away from you, 
then you will get your request, but if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between them, separating them, and Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his robe in two. Then Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak and returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with the cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw what happened, they exclaimed, Elisha has become Elijah's successor. And they went to meet him and bowed down before him. Sir, they said, just say the word, and fifty of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until he was embarrassed, and he finally said, All right, send them. So fifty men searched for three days, but did not find Elijah. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go, he asked. Now the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. This town is located in beautiful, natural surroundings, as you can see. But the water is bad, and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, Bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, This is what the Lord says. I have made this water wholesome. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And sure enough, the water has remained wholesome ever since, just as Elisha said. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, you bald head, they chanted. Go away, you bald head. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled forty-two of them. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. End of reading, 1 Kings 22.1 through 2 Kings 2.25. What if I lost everything that I had? I could smile and somehow still be glad and say thank you, thank you. Cause life is joy, life is pain, but the prayer of my heart will never change, I say. It is so important, so important, my dear friends, individually, individually in our homes and families, and as a nation, that we are willing to acknowledge the true and living God and show gratitude, say thanks. It is not enough that our Constitution do that. That was written over 200 years ago. Faithfully and beautifully, the Constitution affirms and acknowledges the lordship of the true and living God, the God of the Scriptures. But we have come to a time now when that is being tossed aside and changed and as we are reading, this is a striking, clear lesson of what happens when a people group, a nation, refuses to acknowledge the true and living God and be grateful to Him. Not just a ceremonial honoring, but truly honoring God and doing right things. Already, for the last 10 or 15 years, increasingly, God is tightening a noose of judgment on this nation. Judgment for our abandoning the values and the commands of God in His Word the values of life, the values of holiness and purity, sexual purity, marital purity, 
so many areas of our life that we are abandoning the commands and the instructions given to us, and it has consequences. It's a wonderful lesson coming to us, a practical lesson from the pages of the books of First and Second Kings. The book of First Kings begins with a nation united at the peak of its wealth, its power, and its influence under David, the most devout king in Israel's history. The book ends with the kingdom divided and confused and chaos and the death of Ahab, the most wicked king of all. What happened? Well, the people forgot to acknowledge God as their ultimate leader. They appointed human leaders who ignored God. They were religious. They talked a lot about God, but they ignored God's commands. The people then conformed to the lifestyles of these wicked leaders. Occasional wrongdoing gradually turned into a way of life. Their blatant wickedness could be met only with judgment from God, who allowed enemy nations to arise and defeat Israel and Judah in battle as punishment for their sins. Failing to acknowledge God as our ultimate leader is the first step to ruin. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box. 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website thebiblelive.com Now don't forget join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word Amen